My guest today has the highest distinction of trainer of trainers in spiritual technology, founded by Zivarat Slavinsky. He has had over 30 years of experience helping people with their spiritual development. He is also the author of Spiritual Technology, A Journey into Oneself, Integra Protocol, How to Integrate Internal Conflicts, and Satori Protocol, How to Resolve Emotional Problems and Achieve Spiritual Enlightenment. Welcome to Noble Warrior, Vladimir Stoyakovich. Thank you, CK, for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Amazing. So, Vladimir, I really wanted to talk to you because I myself uh, came from the scientific background, and I've been looking for methods to effectively and efficiently um, make progress to my own personal and spiritual development. And I'm very fortunate that my teacher, Satyan Raja, introduced me to uh, Zivarat's work. And from that, I met you. So I want to ask you a first question, start off with, with this, because for a lot of people, this is a concept they don't quite know yet. What is the difference between therapy and spiritual technology? Well, there, there is an overlap, obviously, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. there are differences. So with uh, spiritual technology, we focus on releasing emotional problems. We don't focus on uh, curing uh, mental illness and uh, psychological disorders. And uh, everybody has uh, emotional problems. Uh, let's say that according to, uh, let's say, Australia, uh, where I live, uh, every fifth person has some uh, mental uh, problems or, or some uh, psychological disorder. Uh, while uh, everybody else has uh, emotional problems. So you can say that uh, spiritual technology is for everyone because you cannot really uh, uh, grow up, you cannot really develop without creating uh, uh, emotional problems. It's part of personality development. So uh, what we do, we focus on emotional problems. Uh, we, we don't focus on uh, mental issues and personality disorders. And uh, the, the approach that we have is a little bit different, okay? So I think you there are over uh, 500 registered, official registered therapies, and they all have different approaches. Uh, our approach is to make conscious and release suppressed thoughts and emotions. Uh, I would say that uh, uh, the therapies, uh, official therapies, uh, they work on moving the furniture around, so to speak. Uh, there is some internal world. And what they want to do, they want to arrange it in a better way. What we want to do, we want to completely clear, release problematic thoughts and emotions. So our main principle, working principle, is spiritual. Uh, and it is making the unconscious conscious. 
So uh, in our methods, what we do, uh, we use certain triggers. Those triggers will activate reactions. What reacts is suppressed thoughts and emotions. And then we feel those reactions, we verbalize them, and through that verbalization, we make them conscious. And by making them conscious, we release them. Okay, we, uh, you can say that the problems arrive uh, uh, because we resist. Let's say something is happening to me uh, and I feel some negative emotions, I have negative thoughts. And instead of just letting these uh, negative thoughts and emotions manifest and uh, go away, uh, I block them. I don't want to feel, feel them. I block them. I stop them. And because I do that, because I resist, they persist. Okay? And that's how we go through uh, our lives, uh, continuously resisting negative thoughts and emotions. And by continuously resisting, we keep uh, building them up. And mm. uh, they go into the unconscious. Uh, they say, uh, stay... Uh, stored in our unconscious, uh, the amount of them rises, and it is very reactive. So when something happens, when there is a trigger, uh, these suppressed thoughts and emotions, they react and they uh, create negative states and reactions. In our processes, we do it the other way around. What does that mean? It means we focus on a trigger, we allow we uh, uh, intentionally, deliberately uh, activate the negative reaction, but this time we are fully conscious, uh, we don't resist it, we feel it as completely as possible, and then we find the words to express it. And that's the act of making the unconscious conscious. Once we don't resist it, feel it, and find the right words, uh, we release this suppressed energy. And you could say that uh, official therapies are more an approach. And spiritual technology is procedural. So we have procedural techniques that we uh, apply. And that way, I think uh, we release... Uh, emotional problems faster. So that, that would be one difference uh, between uh, official therapy and uh, uh, spiritual technology. We are procedural and our uh, main principle is uh, making the unconscious conscious and releasing it that way. Amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. One of the things I really appreciate about this here is a personal practice. During the beginning of my personal practice and exploration, um, I went down the path of using rationality to, as you said, rearrange the furniture, trying to understand the source of my content. And, and, or, and also treating them as something to conquer. And for me, that was a counterproductive experience because as much as I, uh, as we say, what we resist persists, right? So yeah. 
the more I try to conquer them, the stronger they get. So, and I also found that it was not that useful for me personally to try to understand why, 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 why these content arise. And through the work of um, Zivarat, uh, I just started to process them. Like it doesn't matter why they come up as long as I basically use the uh, set of tools to process them, it was much more effective and efficient to um, disappear these uh, quote-unquote subjective problems. Yeah. yeah, so let me comment on that. Two key words uh, here that you mentioned is trying to understand them, to find the cause by analysis, by uh, intention, by focus. That's one thing, understanding the cause. And the other thing would be conquering them. Uh, the, both approaches are inefficient, okay? So you can think about the problem uh, as an onion being very layered. A problem is very layered, okay? Let's say something happened when you were five years old uh, and that was the first, that was the beginning of a problem, okay? Let's say you had a negative experience uh, and you came up with some decision, unconscious decision, unconscious belief, which created the problem at the moment. For example, we can use an example. Uh, maybe I was uh, in the, uh, school as a, as a child, and maybe I was reciting a poem in front of the class, and maybe I got confused. Uh, uh, the other children uh, were laughing at me. I felt humiliated, and I uh, came up with a decision that uh, standing out leads to humiliation. Standing out leads to humiliation. So we, these decisions, beliefs, uh, they are extremely important. That's how we form problems. That's how we form our personality. And based on that, we perceive the world, we perceive ourselves, and we behave. Okay? And uh, beliefs and, and decisions are our our truths about the world, our truths about uh, aspects of life. And yes, we want to behave uh, in accordance to our truths. Uh, that has roots in uh, survival, okay? So uh, uh, some, some scientists say, uh, evolutionary psychologists, that our species survived because we have this ability to recognize patterns. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, apply to our predecessor, that would mean something like when you hear a lion, run the other way. Okay, that's a pattern, okay, that leads to survival. And all patterns that we have uh, in their uh, 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 root, they have survival. So when I come up with a, with a pattern, with a decision, with a belief, standing out leads to humiliation, that's connected to survival, at least to the survival of my ego, okay? And I want to live in accordance with that truth from now on. Basically, I come up with that decision to prevent the same outcome in the future, to avoid being humiliated in the future. And as I go through life, as I uh, find myself in situations where I can be humiliated, uh, or there is a possibility of me entering that situation I keep thinking, I keep adding thoughts and emotions. 
to that initial route, to that initial decision. And what started as a problem, which was probably single layer or very simple, it builds over time. Mm -hmm. And then 20 years later, uh, you have a complicated structure. Mm -hmm. And the cause is deep. It's covered by many layers. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's why it is not really possible. It could be possible after hours and hours and hours and hours of, uh, of therapy to actually uh, become aware of that cause of that in, uh, uh, initial uh, decision and to get some relief, okay? But as you think and analyze, as you think and analyze, you actually get, you actually add more charge. You, That's right. You add more thoughts. You add more, That's you right. actually increase the product. It's counterproductive. Instead, right. we use a procedure. We use the, the, the shortest uh, route to the cause, okay? We trigger the problem. We find the first layer, make it conscious. That uncovers the next layer, make it conscious. That uncovers the next layer. And that's how we go. Following the shortest route, uh, shortest route to the root cause. And once we uh, make that conscious, that's how you resolve the problem. So analyzing is hard uh, because the main cause is covered by layers of unconscious material. Yeah. And it's probably a little bit uh, counterproductive. Another thing that you mentioned is conquering, like the willpower and everything, but you already actually answered to that as well. The more you resist, uh, uh, the more it persists. Resisting means adding more. So let's mm -hmm. say I don't want to feel weak. Okay. So whenever I have any thought or emotion that I associate with feeling, feeling weak, I say no, and I suppress it. And what does that mean? I add it to the pie the pile being the problem. And as I'm trying to conquer it, the pile grows, 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 because every time a thought that comes up, which I label as, aha, uh -huh, that's weakness, add it to the pile. Another emotion, that's weakness too, add it to the pile. So that pile becomes bigger and bigger. Uh, yeah, so analyzing doesn't help much. It probably adds more to the problem and uh, it's hard, okay? It's hard to navigate the internal world, which is very layered, which is very complex, very full of conflicts, okay? And conquering is probably uh, even worse because it simply means uh, resist. And by resisting means when a thought comes up that you don't like, you <clears throat> add it to the pile and increase the problem. And we do it the yeah. other way around. Don't resist make it conscious, release it. So one of the things that for me was a profound shift in the way I relate to my content is this, because there's good, bad, you know, I like this, I don't like this. And, and uh, I will come up with a lot of different strategies, a lot of techniques as a way to strengthen myself or weaken the quote unquote opponent or the whatever it is I'm trying to avoid. And inevitably, I make that opponent or that thought, that polarity stronger. Again, what I resist persists, right? And um, But I also hear language that people use in personal development, spiritual development realms of, you know, um, what they say, fuck the problem, 
right? That's a very strong language. And again, when, when operating from that paradigm, then you're now treating that as a, as a, as an enemy and, and inevitably also make that stronger. So what I do like is, um, this particular approach treat quote unquote problems as neutral. It's not good or bad. It just is, right? You have a thought, you have feelings and emotions, you have body sensations, you have a situation. It's just neutral because it's based on context that's good or bad. If you zoom all the way out, there's then then there is everything is neutral. So I really like that approach of just, hey, you have this content and you know you face it in with neutrality. Well, we have the luxury of that approach. And I say the luxury, uh, and that brings us back to your first question. What is the difference between therapy and this? Uh, that's another difference, okay? Therapy is scientific-based. In therapy, there is no consciousness. A consciousness is like a, something that exists, but they don't know where it's coming from. Is it the, re the result of the chemical processes in the brain? Uh, they don't... Uh, regard consciousness as an entity. So you could say that the whole philosophy uh, approach has no foundation. If you don't treat consciousness as something that is there, that is not just a part of brain activity, okay? Which is, if I am not this consciousness, that I'm something else, like a good person or bad person, which means I need to treat my content as something. Okay. Uh, ultimately, I am some of that content. In our approach, we are spiritual technology. We know that there is consciousness, which is separated from the brain and the body. And we don't just know that because we believe it. We know that because we have techniques that enable us to experience it. And that gives us the luxury of treating the content as just content, okay? Uh, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter whether the content is good or bad. Uh, because you are not it. If the content is bad, angry person, frustration, yeah, you like the fact that you are not that. But if the content is good, happy person, happiness, you are not that either. So uh, that gives us a very efficient approach, which means you don't evaluate anything that comes up. You just release it. And even more importantly, <clears throat> you don't evaluate yourself based on your content, okay? So uh, that is something else that differentiates us from uh, the, the other techniques, oh, sorry, uh, the other, uh, from official therapy, because they do want to get you in a better state, which means with better content, with better identities, but it is impossible to have 
good content without the bad content. We live in a bipolar world. You cannot just... Happiness means something only in relation to unhappiness. Freedom That's means right. something only in relation to its opposite. Okay? That's right. And uh, that gives us uh, a superior approach. We have the whole picture. Okay? While it's very difficult to uh, create uh, operational approaches if you are lacking foundation or if you don't have the whole picture, okay? While here on the other side, we have whole picture. We know that we are consciousness, which is beyond polarities, which is neither good nor bad, which creates content. And that's what we want to, to, uh, uh, to achieve, uh, to get rid of the created, unconscious structure and to remain as clear as possible. So how is this different than, I want to go back to that question, you know, um, how is this different than New Age? Because you, in your book, I actually really mm. like the way you, you, you delineated, well, this is not New Age thinking either. So say a little bit more about how is this spiritual technology different than New Age approach? Well, that would probably require to define new age, which is extremely mm. difficult, okay? It's a cabbage of all sorts of beliefs. Uh, uh, and the only condition is that those beliefs are not official religion and they are not science, okay? And they are, that's, uh, I don't know how else to define new age, okay? But I can say something else. Spirituality exists for a very long time. Very long time. I think the oldest written records, uh, if, if I remember correctly, are 8,000 years old. So if you look into yoga tradition, or if you look into Taoism, I think uh, the oldest uh, 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 kept records are about 8,000 years old. So spirituality existed much, much before even science, let alone a new age. What uh, we want to achieve in spirituality is what they call enlightenment, which is not really a great word. We want to achieve liberation. We want to achieve, uh, we want to uh, uh, release all this content that we accumulated over our life or lives, if you want. So that's the goal, okay? And another goal is releasing these emotional problems, but that's basically the same thing. Because what prevents us from being pure consciousness is these building blocks of emotional problems. That's what we want, a, a liberation. On the other hand, you have new age with different goals. Okay, and uh, uh, very often, oh no, 99% of time, those goals are not uh, spiritual liberation. And if they are not spiritual liberation, they are not spirituality. Uh, you can think about Zen. That's for me, that's probably the purest spiritual discipline ever. Because mm. there's nothing there to detract from they, they took great care 
not to create anything that would detract from spiritual development. So that's very clear. That's very out of time. And I say out of time, I mean timeless. Okay, mm-hmm. because it is equally relevant today as thousands of years ago. So the difference is uh, we don't believe uh, in, in New Age. There's lots of crazy ideas. Uh, they are uh, prone to believe in anything. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but in our case, we only have two goals which are interconnected to uh, uh, release as much as much charge as possible, which means spiritual prog- progress, and to release these emotional problems. But these two are inseparable. They are the same thing, just looking from a little bit different point of view. Mm. Um, actually, if you don't mind drilling into that a little bit more, because those two sounds the same to me. How are they different again? Well, depends on the discipline you are thinking about. So if you mm-hmm. think about Zen, if you think about Zen, which is pure essence of spirituality, there is no such thing as releasing emotional problems. Okay, They just focus on uh, uh, spiritual development. Mm-hmm. But in our case, we actually operationally use problems. What are problems? Problems are negative states and reactions, and they are triggered by internal and external triggers. And they mm-hmm. can be both uh, uh, philosophical and very trivial down-to-earth uh, problems. Like, I feel angry when my neighbor makes noise. Okay, that's very earthly problem. But if I feel anger, yeah, yeah, that's a problem. Or mm-hmm. when I think about the purpose of life, I feel depressed. <laughs> that sounds like, a, like an abstract uh, 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 philosophical idea. In both mm-hmm. cases, it's just an emotional reaction. And uh, what reacted? Part of the ego. Okay. Uh, what prevents us from being who we are? Again, the ego. It doesn't prevent us from being who we are. It prevents us from perceiving who we are. Who we really mm-hmm. are is always the same. It doesn't change and it doesn't need any changes. But I cannot perceive it. Instead, I perceive some identity. So what we do, we use these uh, methods to, uh, when a problem comes up, we release the problem. And from the practical point of view, we immediately feel good. Okay, just 20 minutes ago, before I started the process, I felt pretty bad. I do the process now and I feel good. So that's like immediate benefit. Mm -hmm. But also what I did, I pinpointed one building block of the ego, and I threw it out. And now this ego is a little bit smaller than what it was before the process. That's mm-hmm. how it is both spiritual and practical. So it is spiritual, yes, because I am removing these building blocks from the ego. But should we actually neglect the practical side? Look, for me, this is big. Uh, things happen all the time. We get triggered all the time. And now we have this tool to actually release this negative state and feel good. Like life is how you feel. If you feel bad, life is bad. If you feel good, life is good. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this ability, this tool 
to actually not suffer, to not have to go through suffering and just wait for it to pass. Because as soon as one uh, suffering on one topic passes, something else happens and you suffer on another topic and then, you know, something else happens and you suffer on another topic. Just imagine having tools that actually every time that happens, you can release. Okay, so yes, spiritual side is big, but practical side is also big. And you cannot do that, let's say, in Zen. Okay, these guys mm. don't have, even though I endlessly appreciate Zen, even though Zen is one of the pillars of what I do in, in terms of uh, some techniques that we use are built on Zen tradition. Zen is kind of included in it. Mm. Okay, so I have endless appreciation for it, but they don't have something that can use, that they can use and release the problem, the negative state in 15, 20 minutes. So yes, yeah, actually, depending, depending on the point of view, it's the same thing, but mm -hmm. also, yeah, it is a, bit, a little bit extra plus in what we do. Yeah, actually, speaking about that, um, one of the things I really appreciate about this set of tools is the efficiency and effectiveness. I'm going to keep saying those words because in my mind, I've tried a lot of different things. And uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about how is it the different, uh, how are they different, you know, in terms of the spiritual technology approach versus, you know, yoga or Vipassana or Zen or all these other approaches. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can paint a picture. This is how I've been explaining this to people who ask. So I've done Vipassana. I'm a big fan of Vipassana. It's a 10-day silent meditation retreat. And the main technique is to essentially watch, just be an objective observer, watch the contents bubble up and then watch the content disappear over time. And to me, it's non-specific. And to Absolutely. me, it's also yeah. very slow, right? Whereas um, the spiritual technology approach, you don't just watch non-specifically, you actually drill in deeper and deeper in a very specific way. To me, it's the difference between a floodlight, right? If you imagine, you know, the light of your attention is a floodlight versus a spotlight. So for me, yeah. spotlight approach to me is very efficient, very effective. And I, as an engineer, I like it that way. Anyway, very long context. How would you explain the difference between how, let's say, Zen or yoga or you know, Vipassana or these other many, many different approaches to solve these subjective problems? Well, from one point of view, people always look for difference. What is different? What is different? As if it's either or. As mm -hmm. if it's either or. <clears throat> but how about this? How about we use your example? Uh, in spiritual technology, we don't teach you what to do before and after the process. So we don't have any dogma, we don't have any sets of beliefs, uh, we don't have any uh, uh, advice what to think, what to feel, uh, uh, feel, how to behave. We are mm -hmm. only concerned with engineering, so to speak. So here is your procedure, do it, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, so basically we don't cover anything outside of the process. So is that good or bad? Well, it's probably good in a way that it doesn't impose anything, mm -hmm. but it's also 
kind of bad <laughs> because people would like to know, okay, I did the process. What I do outside of the process, uh, you mm-hmm. know, to, to, to keep going with my, with my development continuously, not just for the duration of the process. Okay? Mm-hmm. And if you go back to your example, uh, uh, in Vipassana, which I did and still do, as you said, you just meditate, you just observe, okay? Uh, and things pass. They appear, they dissolve. Sometimes they appear, they stay a long time, okay? Mm-hmm. The point of Vipassana is for you to realize in one moment, hey, but all of that is not me. Mm-hmm. All of that is just content. And just a gap, and then a gap appears, okay? Mm-hmm. And then the more you can extend that gap, the more you can live in a me state, being fully aware that this is just content, you will stop feeding that content and eventually one day, maybe the whole thing just disappears. Maybe the whole structure of the ego just falls away. That's the idea of Vipassana, the way I understand it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's a very lengthy process. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's a very lengthy process. Is it two hours per day after the training? Yeah. It's two hours. Yeah. I mean, for I me, know. I'm a I know. you know busy professional. So <laughs> I know. I know. You know, I don't want to do know. two hours a day of meditation. However, how about combined approach? How about combined approach? You know, how about vipassana and spiritual technology? That's what I do. It's fantastic. Okay. Mm. So with spiritual technology, look. If I am to do two hours of vipassana, and if I'm going to choose, am I going to do vipassana? Two hours of spiritual technology, two hours. It's an easy choice. For me, two hours of spiritual technology is much more effective than two hours of vipassana. Because in two hours, I can do a number of processes. They last 10, 20 minutes. I pinpoint the problem. I trigger charge, and I release it, and I feel good. Okay, I feel I arrive into a spiritual state pretty quickly, pretty efficiently. Okay, but even better things, even better approach is to combine both, to do mm. processes and to do vipassana as well. Not necessarily two hours per day. Okay, mm. you don't really need that two hours per day if you combine it with spiritual technology. Okay, so what that will give you is a completely different understanding of yourself spirituality it it, give, it will give you something to do outside of spiritual technology processes and it may even give you the ability to be in the state of witnessing more and more not just when you sit and meditate but when you actually live your life mm-hmm. because it's pretty easy to be a witness when you are not not, not active but it's kind of difficult when you stand up and start walking around doing things. Okay, that would be that would be the challenge. If you can do that, that would be something uh, uh, really good. So uh, the difference is in Vipassana, you observe, but you don't really dissolve big chunks. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's a lengthy process. In spiritual technology, you briefly, quickly dissolve big chunks. If you combine mm-hmm. these two approaches, I guarantee it's going to be a, a, a very good result. In Vipassana, you get uh, uh, more and more. They just complement each other. 
Okay? The more you do spiritual technology, the more you recognize your real nature, the more, you, and then you do Vipassana and you are aware of your real nature as opposed to passing content, as opposed to identities. They complement each other. And then during Vipassana, you recognize bits and pieces that you are going to work with, with when you do spiritual technology. Okay? Mm. And then you can do Vipassana as you walk in the park. Okay? Why do you have to sit down? So mm. the difference, that's the difference. In uh, spiritual technology, we identify big things and we uh, release them quickly. But mm. we don't have an approach outside of the process. Vipassana mm. can help. In Vipassana, we don't uh, 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 release big chunks, but it gives us an approach that can be used in between our processes. And in, mm. my, in my opinion, so see, that's the thing with spiritual technology. It's not opposed to anything. Mm -hmm. You can seamlessly insert it anywhere. Literally. Mm. In, in yoga, in Zen, even in religion. Like mm -hmm. if you are pra practicing Christian, uh, uh, it, it doesn't. There's nothing here which will uh, conflict with Christianity because we don't have any uh, dogma. That's right. There is no set of set of beliefs. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. I mean, one of the things I, I mean, I'm a secular person, and um, I'm not part of any kind of organized religion of any sort and to me the way again i'm an engineer so the way i look at the world is through um, functionality right so all of these are to me just tools what kind of tools exactly. do i need to use for a particular thing obviously i have a hammer can i use hammer to i don't know cook some rice maybe but <laughs> probably not most optimal right so i just collect different tools so i can use in different situations that's um most appropriate and i really like you know spiritual technology is uh very secular it doesn't have it doesn't have any yeah. agenda doesn't have any dogma yeah, exactly. and you can just put into whatever situation that you know, that you want it's about mastering the process mastering the tool so you can really master your your own consciousness i agree with you this is an engineering approach and I, I, I am an it person you know and these methods they are algorithms they are mm. uh, 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 sequences of steps that produce a result. And mm. if you apply these sequences, no matter who you are, no matter what your beliefs are, you will produce a result. That's like mm. algorithm. That's like engineering. It's a tool. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not to belabor on the point of spiritual technology set of tools, Vipassana, in my mind, how I'm using it personally is um, spiritual technology is very efficient and very effective removing any kind of content, right? Any kind of charges. So then I experience the non-dual state pleroma as we know it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, to me, I like that. Now, Vipassana, I didn't really think to stack them together until you mentioned it. But in my mind, Vipassana is much more of a receptive state you just you just watch you know whether you're doing moving meditation or sitting meditation you just you just receive there is no processing you just you just watch you know whatever comes that comes absolutely that's in my mind it's the intentional approach versus the receptive approach is that an accurate reflection of what you said okay look 
as you just watch, you notice. As you just watch, you notice. And what you notice in Vipassana, you can use in spiritual technology as something to be processed. Okay? As something to be processed. Plus, the more you watch in Vipassana, the more you become aware of identities, problems, this, that, and the easier and quicker you recognize them in, in, in spiritual technology. So these two work together perfect, perfectly. Okay, perfectly. Mm-hmm. And you don't need two hours per day. 15 minutes yeah. per day of Vipassana. 15 minutes per day. Look, I, has, uh, I have so much experience with spiritual technology. I'm doing it like 30 and something years. And I process so many people. And when I have someone who does meditation or someone who was in therapy, let's say gestalt or uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, people like that are much easier to work with. Why? Because they are familiar with their internal world. Why? Mm. Because they meditated. Okay? They didn't just watch television. So attention on the uh, outside, they also put attention on the inside through meditation, through therapy, and they became aware of their internal world, you know, of its elements. And those elements are the subject of processing in spiritual technology. So once we start using spirit, things just pop up because they are already pretty aware of them. So, Vipassana, you know, in spiritual technology, you have so much awareness, alertness, and observing throughout the process. Because you start the process, you use the trigger, something pops up. You have to be highly aware, highly alert, to feel it, recognize it, make it conscious, and verbalize it. Okay, so these are the principles that we also use in Vipassana. And yes, so when you do this meditation... Uh, be aware of the topics that come up that you can use in in, uh, spiritual technology processes. Okay? And also be aware of identities, uh, content, because they will come up in spiritual technology processes and you will already be familiar with them and that will make it easier to actually uh, uh, do the process. I want to bring a metaphor real quick because um, I think it would be helpful for me to contextualize the question I want to ask you. I, I do have a personal question I want to ask you. So imagine you are, you, audience members, you are trying to uh, discern the different hues, the different um, shades of a particular color. In the beginning, it looks kind of the same, right? Red's red yep. or green's green or blue's blue's. But after a while, you're studying and you start to notice the nuance. Like there is a slight difference between the two, but only after you look at it long enough, you have that facility, right? So in terms of content, um, our thoughts, feelings, emotion, body sensations, and mental images, all of these are content. The more we um, discern, the, 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 the more we look at it, the more we have discernment. Of, oh, this is slightly different flavor of frustration, anger, joy, or whatever the content may be. 
um, that to me is a useful process just in terms of heightening our own self-awareness of what's actually going on inside our consciousness. Yeah. Uh, that's, so, that's absolutely true. Yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah. So, so I have a specific question for me personally. So these days, thanks to all of the work that I've done, uh, what used to be really noisy here now is noiseless or much, much less noisy. And when I'm doing spiritual technology or any kind of meditation, I actually have a hard time look like finding charges. So, so I, wanted to, I wanted to hear your perspective. Either one, am I not looking at it hard enough? Am I just, uh, do I not like see the nuance differences or it is not enough effort or, or I'm just a walking Buddha. I have no charges all the time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Yeah, that, that question comes up from time to time. And at my, it is a little bit, could be a complicated discussion. Uh, one point that I can ask is, are you in a comfort zone? Are you in a comfort zone? So, you know, one of the great spiritual, spiritual teachers said, comfort zone is an enemy of spiritual progress. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, because when it's comfort, there is no triggers. Okay. Mm -hmm. You live in a safe place, safe at home, safe at work, no challenges, all routines established and familiar. Okay. Uh, so when that happens, it could feel that I don't have any problems. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's one question. Mm -hmm. The other question is this. Okay, let's not go to the other question yet. So how to handle uh, the comfort zone? As Tony Robbins says, step up. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that. Raise your standards, yeah. Raise your standards. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, whatever your goal is, if your goal is to jog uh, one kilometer every day, raise it to three kilometers. And almost mm. immediately, you will have a negative reaction. Okay? <laughs> if, you, if, if, you earn, if you earn X amount of money, raise it to Y amount of money. Mm. And almost mm. immediately, there's going to be, an, not almost immediately, immediately there will be a challenge. There will be something. Mm -hmm. Okay. So step up, raise your standards simply means increase your goals. Okay. Mm -hmm. Increase your goals. And that will keep you pretty efficiently outside of the comfort zone. Uh, and uh, you know how the spiritual teacher I mentioned said that uh, a comfort zone is the enemy of uh, spiritual development. In, in the same, exactly the same sense, we can say that uh, comfort zone is the enemy of progress, of success. Mm -hmm. Because once you reach your goals, you don't increase them. That's it. Okay. Stagnation. But then you mm -hmm. increase them and then more progress. So that's one thing to, to think about. Another thing to think about is this. This is how I live my, my life. Mm -hmm. um, I am, and this is not something that I had to train myself to do. It's the result of me doing processes a long time. Okay, as I said, 30 and something years ago. I'm basically aware as soon as I have a negative reaction. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's say after this podcast, some somebody does something to me which is unpleasant. Mm -hmm. I get I get angry. 
immediately. I know it's a mental note. It's full awareness. Hey, this is a topic to work on. Mm-hmm. This is a trigger. Okay. And that's how I go through life. Noticing mm-hmm. negative reactions. But you know, when we say negative reactions, we don't mean just very bad negative reactions when I do something crazy. No. Even subtle negative emotions are negative reactions to deal with. So unless you are really a Buddha, you just cannot say that you don't have problems. Okay. So yeah. when we when we when we say problems, we don't mean major things, although it includes major things like I'm dying of cancer. I just, you know, lost somebody. They are life crises. They are not emotional problems. They are much more. And yes, these methods are very applicable in those situations. And they're actually lifesavers in those situations. But when we say emotional problems, we mean even subtle negative thoughts and emotions, okay? Which we, which every human being has multiple times per day, per day. So when you're aware of that, it's kind of difficult Mm -hmm. to run out of topics, Okay, so be aware during the day about negative reactions. You're just watching news. Yeah, how many negative reactions do you have? Okay, just when watching the news. So that's another thing to think about. Here is something else. We live in a continuous mode of suppression, repression of ourselves. We continuously resist. How do I know that's true? Because we are we are not Buddhas. We are still uh, human beings that have the ego. If I manage to enter an acceptance acceptance mode as opposed to resistance mode, in certain amount of time, difficult to say what time, three hours. Uh, seven days, three months, three years, the ego would be dissolved. And I would not need any methods. I would not need vipassana. I would not need uh, spiritual technology, anything. Okay? So that's why people say, you know, acceptance is the key. Acceptance is the key. But we live in, in, in a different regime, in a different mode, which is suppression, resistance, continuously continuously okay so here is one thing to do sit down or lay down i prefer laying down close your eyes and just ask yourself what am i resisting now and just Mm -hmm. be open what am i resisting now because Mm -hmm. we are resisting something continuously if we weren't in this resistance mode in a in a certain amount of time we would become Buddhas. That's just simply because we are not resisting. Uh, the charge, suppressed thoughts and emotions are being triggered. We are not resisting them. They are being released. We are not saying no, no, no. We are not resisting them. They are being released, being released, being released. And after a while, they would be fully released. So that's, that's a practical thing to do. Lay down, sit down and think, what am I resisting now? And something will pop up. Yeah. yeah. There is another thing. And there is just, just, just tell me this last thing. You can use that if you have uh, that yourself. You can use that with your clients if you have clients. When they say, ooh, ooh, I don't know what problem can I work on. You can ask this question. Mm. 
what needs to happen for you to have the life that you want to have. So just close your eyes, you say to the client or yourself, what needs to happen for you to have the life that you want to have? Mm-hmm. Well, I need to have more friends. All right, here's a problem. Okay, I don't have enough friends. I need more free time. Here is another problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you just you can start the process. Okay, no free time. Close your eyes. How do you feel about not, uh, not having enough free time? Oh, I feel frustrated. Something to work on. It's a magical question that it will, uh, what's the word, elicit. Uh, uh, problems that the client is not even aware of when you say, hey, what problems do you have right now? So what needs to happen for you to have the life that you want to have? Mm -hmm. And then things pop up and then you just work on that. I appreciate you answering these questions. I mean, I was being obviously facetious as uh, comparing myself to a walking Buddha. But yes. <laughs> those two questions, but those two questions are actually very valid, right? As soon as you ask yeah. those questions, what am I resisting right now? What needs yeah. to happen in order for exactly. you to have the life that you want to have? Exactly. Automatically, exactly. the brain goes to work, and automatically, then, you know, exactly. Yeah. And look, you didn't you you uh, uh, calling yourself saying a Buddha is not really uh, it's not really uh, in any way wrong, mm-hmm. because if I don't have any problems, I am a Buddha. That's it. But if I really don't have any problems, okay? Because in this context, problems uh, are the reactions of suppressed content. And being a Buddha simply means not having suppressed content, not having suppressed thoughts, emotions, identities. That's it. Okay? So sometimes jokingly I say, when, when clients say, well, I don't have any problems, and so you are a Buddha. Oh, no, no, I don't. Well, then you must have problems. <laughs> then you must have problems. Yeah. So a uh, tactical question here real quick. Um, I have two questions, two follow-up questions. One is, do you process immediately or do you bash them? You write them down and you do it in one session at the end of the day or middle of the day or something. What do you do? For me personally, mm. I process it as soon as I have an opportunity. I see. As, as soon as I have an opportunity, okay? Of course, if I'm somewhere where I cannot do it, then I try to be in vipassana mode. Observe, mm-hmm. observe, meaning be fully aware of the reaction, let mm-hmm. it manifest, but don't necessarily let it overtake you, okay? Try to act from, uh, uh, let's say, from the rational. If you are overtaken by a negative reaction, you can submit to that negative reaction and start fighting, Okay, mm-hmm. or you can let it happen, but try not to uh, be controlled by it. Okay, and then when I have the first opportunity, uh, I do the process because one mm-hmm. of the privileges that we have with these methods, and it's a privilege, you don't have to suffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can use the first opportunity and release the problem, as opposed mm-hmm. to just, you know, look, I know people who for example, had something bad happen to them. And I was looking at them, observing them, how they suffer for two weeks, for six months, how they start drinking, how they come up with all negative conclusions about life. And you Mm -hmm. know what they're doing? They are not just suffering at the moment. They are actually adding more 
problematic stuff, negative conclusions, negative decisions, negative beliefs based on those negative experiences. And then further in the future, it's going to be worse. So uh, a person I knew had a very, uh, had a breakup with his girlfriend many years ago. Uh, and then he went to the suffering stage of drinking and being very negative for like six months. And I have been watching them later for years, acting very badly towards women in mm. his further relationship, all mm. based on that one uh, uh, unfortunate breakup. Mm-hmm. So if he used the processes, first of all, he would suffer less during that time. He would release that. And more importantly, he wouldn't come up with crazy uh, decisions, ideas, beliefs about women and relationships, which seriously poisoned a number of his future uh, uh, relationships. Yeah. So to go back to your question, I use the process as soon as I have an opportunity. And I make sure I use, the pro- I, I use at least one process. I do at least one process every day, even when I feel good, even good. when I feel good. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's actually a personal practice of my these days is to, you know, part of the way I think about it, you know, how we go to the gym to exercise the muscles, yep. right? And we have more capacity for strength, stamina, all these things. You don't wait until you actually need to move to say, all right, I need to go to the gym for six hours to before I need to move my house. No, you do it every day, every day, every day. So you cultivate this capacity. So similarly, in my opinion, this is the spiritual gym, right? Our, we're cultivating our ability to uh, remove content or transmute content very, very quickly. So to me, this is a worthy da- daily discipline or discipline, right? Blissfully, you know, doing yes. this type of discipline. Yeah. Yes. Let me, let me just add something to that metaphor, if, if, if it's a metaphor. So when you go to the gym and you practice... Uh, yeah, you feel better. And as long as you keep practicing, you have benefits. Mm-hmm. But there is another aspect here uh, with spiritual technology. If you do it every day, you don't just feel better in the moment. You reduce the ego for one little building block with every process. So basically, you carry less weight with every process that you do, you reduce that weight for a certain amount. And you accelerate your spiritual evolution because that's what we are doing here on this planet. Mm. We are going towards uh, uh, full enlightenment, so to speak, even though that's not a good word. Okay. Uh, so somebody said that yoga is uh, uh, created just to accelerate what would happen anyway. Anyway. So we are going towards some evolutionary goal. And that goal is to completely release uh, 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 suppressed thoughts and emotions or samskaras, uh, which are the impurities, the byproduct of uh, evolving. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you do process every day, uh, you accelerate that. So basically, you are not just feeling better right now by doing the process. You are investing into the future. Because every day, mm-hmm. you remove a process every next day, you carry less weight and you Mm -hmm. accelerate your evolution. So it's not just about now feeling better, even though, yes, you feel better now. It's about future investment. Yep. 
I'm, I'm right there with you, my friend. So I actually do want to follow up with the question, the analogy you use about Tony Robbins. You know, Tony Robbins is all about raising your standards, right? So which I am a huge proponent of raising standards, mastery, development, hence this particular podcast. But assume, so I agree with you. And what I can hear already, some of the skeptics will say, well, wait a minute. I thought spirituality is all about you know, being in a per perfect harmony with what is. So what do you mean? Like raising your standards? Like it seems paradoxical, you know, conflicting. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, spirituality is not against anything. Spirituality is uh, against identifying with anything. Mm. Okay. So if you want to be a successful business person mm -hmm. because you want to boost your ego, that's the problem. Okay. Identifying, which means, aha, I will be wealthy and, and, and famous, which means I am worthy, I am special, I am superior. That's the problem with uh, uh, achieving anything. Okay. But if you don't identify with anything that you do, it's not in conflict with spirituality. Mm, got okay. it. Now, it's not such a... So that's one thing to make. Now, just yesterday, I was uh, listening a live discourse. I was here in Sydney. Uh, Eckhart Tolle was here. Mm -hmm. And he had his uh, talk. And I attended. And one of the things he said was this. Uh, Nobody gets enlightened if they don't suffer. Mm. Mm -hmm. nobody gets uh, uh, probably he didn't use the word for word like that but you know that's the meaning which means suffering is here uh, uh, to help us evolve okay mm -hmm. so we go back to that comfort zone if you are in your comfort zone you don't suffer it's uh, very difficult to make any spiritual progress I see uh, so part so yeah. what what I what yeah. I just got now is, hey, if you're perfectly comfortable, that's fine. It's no problem, right? But if you want to grow, if you want to evolve, if you want to progress in any, if you have yeah. that intention, then push your edge in an you objective, neutral kind of a way. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, you know why? Because if mm. you are in the, in a routine state, charge doesn't get activated. If charge charge doesn't get activated, you don't suffer. If charge doesn't get activated, you don't get an opportunity to release it. Do you understand what I mean? I do. When do you I use do. when do you use spiritual? So we have lots of charge, but only one little part of it. And for for, for the listeners, if they don't know what charge means, simply suppress thoughts and emotions. So we have many of them. Most of them are passive. Most of them are passive. If they were active, all of them we would end up in a mental hospital. Okay. So most mm. of them are passive. A little bit of them is active. And that little part is what you process with our processes. Okay. But if you live in a very comfortable state, nothing gets activated. You feel like you have no problems. There is no, there is no, uh, uh, not, there is nothing to process, nothing to overcome. Okay. Mm -hmm. So having goals, uh, activating charge, having goals is not a problem. The problem is always when we identify with things. 
Mm-hmm. That's having experiences is not the problem. It's a problem if it's oh, I am so superior, I am better than others, I am privileged. Having identities yeah. which are false identities. That's mm-hmm. the problem with spirituality. Not having thoughts and emotions. Okay. So I got you. Yeah, I mean, one case in point, not not to belabor on this point, but for anyone who's listening, I, w- I want to make it as practical, as relatable to anyone listening, right? So recently, I've been doing a lot of bicycling class, a cycling class. And for me, it's just fun. And for me, I want to keep pushing my uh, number of calories I burn during those hours. And it, it's just fun. Like, there is no charge. Hey, today I did 550, you know, next week or next month, I did 600. Like, I feel joyful about it but i don't identify <laughs> like hey i'm in exactly or, or a 900 <laughs> like i'm so much better than those who are losers who are doing 300 <laughs> things like exactly that. exactly mm-hmm. so goals are not um, goals in itself they are not a problem unless you identify so i just mentioned Eckhart Tolle. so he was mm-hmm. here yesterday there were like six thousand people obviously him flying around the world and giving these these courses in front of many people that's a goal isn't it mm-hmm. and being an enlightened person does that mean that he shouldn't have any goals no not really but he doesn't identify with it mm-hmm. okay he is not looking for a sense of self in it obviously you can see that when he mm-hmm. is talking uh, uh in front of the audience uh, yeah, so that would be the difference, okay? Uh, uh, having goals, and then we have functional goals, okay? Functional goals, like I need a roof over my head, but that's not usually the status ego. When I, when I, when I want a mention with 20 rooms, that's probably the status ego. Yeah. yeah. So there are functional practical goals that we all need to fulfill, but they are usually easy to fulfill, uh, like a roof uh, over my head and enough food and paying bills that's not very difficult if we make it difficult when we uh, increase those requests to a bigger house and a bigger house and a more expensive car and this and that yeah so okay so on that note about Eckhart Tolle I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask that question anyway few different schools of thought I love transformational content I like content because for me, when I consume content, it brings up, aha, there's a nuanced understanding of something or maybe a charge was brought up. So I like content. But there's another school of thought who says, hey, the answers you seek are already within you. You don't need any more content outside of you. You just need to seek inward um, to find whatever insights or epiphanies that you want. So as a practitioner, as a teacher, as a, obviously right now, you just mentioned you went to Eckhart Tolle's talk. What's your position around consuming content? So can you just a little bit define more about what you mean by consuming content? It's like reading spiritual books, watching yes. spiritual videos. Yes. That, that's yes. All right. Yes, yes, All right. yes, yes. Again, you know how we talked about the relation between Vipassana and spiritual technology and how I pointed out they are not really in conflict. Okay. Mm-hmm. There is no... There shouldn't be either or. The same yeah. thing here. So yeah. let's go back to that to that uh, school of thought that says uh, you are who you are already. You just need to uncover that. Mm-hmm. 
it's 100% true. Mm-hmm. It's 100% true. Okay. How do you know that? You probably read it in some content. If you understand. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So if you use these both schools of thought uh, in the uh, uh, right way. So look, when I listen to Eckhart Tolle, and I listen to him for 20 and something years, you know what happens? Because I have my practice. And I look, if you just listen to content, that's a problem. Okay. Uh, when I started, I was 19 years old. When I started, everybody starts by content. And we didn't call it content at that time. We called it books. Okay, content is, is not a word that I really understand. So I used to buy all available books by spiritual teachers and read and read. And you know what I was doing? Creating more content. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I functioned from the point of view of the ego and how the ego functions. Aha, this is spirituality. And then you create new beliefs, new mental positions. More ego. Aha, that's spirituality. That's how I should be and do. More content, more mental positions. And when you begin your spiritual path, there is this incubation period, period of adaptation, before you are ready to actually do something about it. And that's content. You're just adjusting to the idea that you should actually do something about it. And you do that by reading, 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 absorbing, trying to uh, uh, adjust to all this, to absorb, and you create content. And then later when I started uh, practicing, I actually had to process away that content. It was a mm. pile of junk, but I don't, mm. think there is a way, I don't think there is a way around that. Okay, I don't think, so in the beginning, you need to adjust to those ideas. You need to somehow change the, the perception of you know of, that you have to include that in yourself there's no way around that mm. but then again as i said later i literally had to process away all the junk that i accumulated in that first period okay mm. and then what happened i found some balance i found some balance okay i would be doing my processes which basically means it's just uncovering in mm. all processes that we do it's just uncovering. We don't create anything. We just release, make the unconscious conscious, uncover, mm-hmm. uncover. But on the other hand, as I was listening Eckhart or Osho or other spiritual teachers, sometimes when they, when they say something, it's also uncovering in, in the way of, I had it somewhere here, not fully conscious. And when they said it, it popped up because it was ready and I feel release. Mm. So, if you just assume this uh, attitude, you are what you are, you just need to uncover. The question is how? How you are going to uncover that? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you use methods, okay, no problem. But if you use methods and you combine that with listening, then that's the best approach, at least mm-hmm. in my experience. I, I do methods every day and I listen to these guys and it's uh, complementing each other. It's mm-hmm. compl- Just listening to those guys, not good. Mm-hmm. That means you just keep adding. You're trying to be through the ego, to be enlightened. It's like, it's, it's like saying to someone, be enlightened. 
you cannot be enlightened because you don't understand what that means. You understand it through the ego, which, mean, which means you are trying to, to, to take a mental position. You are creating an identity to be enlightened. They're just adding more to the ego. So just listening to them, I don't think it helps much. Okay? Yeah. But if you do methodology that really works, like spiritual technology, and also listen to these guys, I think that's the best combo. That's the best combination. Better than just doing the processes. Yeah, for sure. Um, one metaphor that we uh, use here on Noble Warrior a lot is um, it's kind of like walking, right? Your right foot is contemplation, consuming content, talking about it, thinking about it, writing about it. And the left foot is practice. In order to travel long distance, you mm -hmm. need to use right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, yes. left foot, right foot. That's how you walk, right? But if you just keep using the right foot, right foot, right foot, right foot, you're walking in circles. Or you keep taking action, yeah. action, action without thinking about you walking in circles yeah. too. So in my mind, it's a feedback loop, the yin and the yang, right foot, left yes. foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. Yeah. The feedback um, loop is, is exactly the word I was looking for. When I do my practice and I listen, uh, you know, uh, consume content, the, the right content, then this feedback loop is created, okay, which is, for me, the best combination. Better than just processes. Just processes is okay, but this is better. And just listening, just consuming content, I don't think that's even good because you, are, you just keep adding content yep. to the ego. Yeah. Uh, I have a PhD. I've read thousands of books. I was at the school of consuming thousands of books in because I thought that would make me wise. And nope, it's just clogged up my mind with so much content. I had to, you know, as you said, process them to find my own yes. gem afterwards. Yes, look, I don't think that was a waste of time in any way. Uh, you know, Osho said... Uh, mm. A person uh, uh, steps on the spiritual path when the terror of the mind becomes unbearable. When the terror mm. of the mind becomes unbearable, which means you have to go and develop your intellect as much as possible to reach a certain point where you can actually say, yeah, that's it. It didn't satisfy me. It doesn't work in terms of Fulfillment, okay? And then you look for something else. But at least uh, the intellect is sharpened. And I think that's also important. I think that's also important. I think most people who are actually seriously on the spiritual path did something before that to uh, sharpen the intellect, to, uh, uh, how to say that, uh, uh, inhabit that aspect of, the, of themselves fully, mm -hmm. okay? And uh, yeah, and then they can look f uh, beyond it. But at the same time, having a sharp intellect, I think it's quite important. Yeah. Thank you and for that reminder. The, and the books that you talk about are uh, engineering uh, 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 books which are not going to create too much content. They will create uh, a, a knowledge, but not content. When I say content, I mean identification, suppressed thoughts and emotions, and so on. 
Yeah. Uh, that's a whole different rabbit hole I can talk to, yeah. but I want to. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Anyways, but let me come back to this. Yeah. All right, let's um, go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. In your okay, so one thing that I'm actually impressed because uh, I thought your uh, book Spiritual Technologies is very well written. It's 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 very very well written. So. Thank you. Congratulations for writing that book. In that book, you had said that you had written, you've done four thousand aspectics. That was ten years ago, probably. Now it's probably a lot more. So that made an impression for me because I'm nowhere near four thousand, right? So I'm curious, right, from the perspective of someone who's just started to someone who's done four thousand. I think you mentioned to me like ten thousand or thirty thousand now, whatever the number. <laughs> What is yeah. the journey? What's the difference? You know, what's okay, the okay. help of the difference? You know, when you after so many practices. So that period uh, that I was describing in, in that book happened actually twenty five years ago, uh, wow. or something, even even more. I think it was nineteen ninety six or something like that. Mm. Uh, and I did thirty thousand processes in around eight months which mm. means I was basically processing eight to 16 hours per day. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me just briefly give you some uh, context. Mm -hmm. So uh, going back to what Osho said, uh, uh, that a person steps on the spiritual path once, once the terror of the mind becomes unbearable. In other words, uh, it's what Eckhart Tolle says. Uh, you, you start uh, uh, spirituality once suffering becomes unbearable. Once you suffered enough, Okay, and something like that happened to me. I think I uh, uh, I was never diagnosed, but I think that I had and maybe still have ADHD. Okay, mm -hmm. so as a child, I was extremely physically active, lacking attention, uh, and then when I went into puberty, the activity uh, uh, transformed from physical into mental. Mm -hmm. which means over a short period of time, I created huge amount of suppressed content, mm -hmm. which resulted in suffering. So I was looking, I was looking for something to help me. Mm -hmm. uh, so I became interested in spirituality very quickly. And there were other reasons, but now probably it's not really uh, relevant. So I was like 19 when I, when I started. Uh, and uh, I was looking for different things. Once I found something once I found Zhivarat Slavinsky and intensive of enlightenment or enlightenment intensive, I had this internal clear recognition here. That's what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, I went to short intensives, long intensives. And I think I was, I was around uh, 21 when I had, when I had this, experience i found myself as i woke up in the morning literally outside of my ego so for a very short period of time i had full access in what it means to be to have no ego completely okay uh and it was such a uh, familiar state mm -hmm. it was me just me, without any thoughts, uh, emotions, or identities. Yet I was still able to fully think and feel. Okay? And uh, then I went to four 
15-day intensive. 14-day intensive is a, is a hard thing to do. So what happens is this. All of us have some kind of gatekeeper in ourselves. What is a gatekeeper? So we have a huge amount of suppressed thoughts and emotions. Mm-hmm. And this gatekeeper only allows to pass from unconscious to conscious the amount that we can currently handle. Okay, it's like a fuse. Okay, it's like a fuse for electric power. When electric power increases, the fuse jumps out. So uh, uh, problems don't happen. So we have this gatekeeper, and that gatekeeper doesn't allow more uh, 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 mental and emotional content to surface more than we can handle at the moment. Mm-hmm. And when, when you do when you do agnostic intensive uh, or uh, that lasts 14 days, you keep bashing that gatekeeper. You keep destroying it. And you know uh, the guy who initially created uh, who created the uh, the first version of intensive, Charles Berner, mm-hmm. illumination intensive. He said like something like this. People ask me, what will my light be after the long intensive? And I say, well, it may not, not necessarily be better, but it will be closer to the truth. <laughs> and after this 14-day intensive, I understood what he meant because I pretty much destroyed this gatekeeper. Even though my life was closer to the truth, I had stronger reactions. Okay. Mm because the gatekeeper was pretty much destroyed. So I had quicker and stronger reactions because the mechanism which was in place before to keep them under control is now gone. Mm. And I was not in a good state, so to speak, because imagine being far more reactive than you really are when Mm. these reactions are more frequent uh, and stronger and quicker. And uh, so just maybe one, one, one or two months after that, Živorad Slavinsky, my teacher, he released this method of tactics. Mm-hmm. And it was really... One of my uh, favorite sa- techniques. Yeah. And it was a sa- savior for me because mm-hmm. I was in that state. So this is what happened. First, I had this spiritual experience when I completely experienced the final reality as it is. So I was familiar with it. And then I had this post-intensive experience where I was very reactive. And I had this good method which enabled me to deal with these reactions. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now I had this contrast. Look, I know, I know what this uh, uh, end looks like. And I have my current state which is not really good. And I had a feeling, look, if I use this good method, I can get close to this uh, uh, final state as much as possible. And that motivated me. So basically, without any discipline, I I wasn't doing processes hours and hours per day because I was disciplined. It was like a pleasure. It was like Mm -hmm. an adventure. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't stop. Okay. And that is the context. First of all, Mm -hmm. knowing what the goal is, feeling it like, oh, it can be achieved. And then uh, having this current negative state caused by this uh, intensive and having a tool to maybe move from this current negative state closer to 
what I consider to be the end state. Uh, see, uh, uh, most people don't know in spirituality where they're going. How does that end state look like? I know because mm -hmm. I ex experienced it for a while. And then it happened mm -hmm. two times after that, two more times after that as well. So, yes, I have been doing these methods, uh, 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 processes, like 30,000 of them, and many things changed. Okay, many things changed. Uh, my perception about myself changed. My perception about the world changed. Uh, I was able to enter the state of oneness uh, in non-active state, which means I just sit down, I lay down, and I go into that state like that. Okay, no problem. I still wasn't able to enter it in the state of uh, when I'm active. Okay, because oh, wow. once you're active, when I'm active, which means I'm not uh, sitting down or laying down, but I'm doing something. Okay, it took me some uh, some time to get there, but yeah, yeah uh, uh, everything basically changed. When I say everything changed, it means everything in my perception changed. Nothing outside of me changed. Life remained uh, remained the same. Other people remained the same, but I released so many of my negative reactions, and the ego became transparent. Okay, the ego okay. became tra transparent. Yeah, before it wasn't transparent. It was like a black mass surrounding me. Now it was transparent. Yeah. Okay. So if you can use like a martial art example, right? White belt, yellow belt, blue belt, purple belt, <laughs> black belt. Like describe yeah. the different phases of it's, it's, this experience. Okay, okay, okay. So, so see, when you think, uh, when you uh, uh, think about phases, they mm. depend on the methodology being used. Okay, mm. for example, for example, uh, in Zen, I read somewhere, they, the Zen masters differentiate, or Zen practitioners differentiate 17 different types of emptiness. Mm. Okay, because that's needed for their uh, uh, methodology and how they travel through uh, uh, on their path. In what, in what I do, mm -hmm. I only differentiate two types of emptiness. I call it fake emptiness and real emptiness. Uh, okay. Fake emptiness is when the ego is empty, but it's mm -hmm. still active. Mm -hmm. And there is this duality, me and ego. Me mm -hmm. and emptiness. Not the same thing. Okay, not the same thing. Real emptiness is when we do the process, ego deactivates. It's still there. It deactivates, but I feel myself. Okay, so uh, the point is, uh, uh, these uh, states, uh, I describe them in my book, uh, uh, these stages, stages, I described them in a book, I don't think that I can even remember, but I'll try. So basically, the, uh, the first one was, you start from a, from a crowd, you're a crowd of, 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 of uh, identities and content, okay, mm -hmm. and then... Uh, uh, I think the first state was uh, I, uh, I am uh, emptiness or, or I am, mm -hmm. oh, no, no. The first state was I am me. I think so. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that lasted, lasted as an identity for a while. Then I did processes, did many, 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 many. Then uh, the next one was I am emptiness that lasted mm -hmm. for a while. Uh, and then I realized, yeah, this emptiness is also content. So I removed that. So what, what you have at the end is presence uh, and now 
when you don't think anything, you are there present. But if you think, who am I? Then the, the best thing, the closest thing is I am me. I am mm -hmm. myself. But it's just a thought. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, the very moment you start thinking I am me, it's a thought. It's, it, it's a form. But if you release that form, then again, it's you. It's you, just you, the same you, you know, your whole life being there, not being covered by identities and thoughts and emotions. But if you want to somehow verbalize it, then you say, I am me, but not me as an identity, but me as a, a being which doesn't have any matter, energy, space, and time, but it's still you, the same you that you know yourself your whole life. Mm -hmm. And you also, in the end, says just, I am, just I am, basically, like presence. Is that yes. what you mean? Yes. So look, we just talked about Eckhart. So one of the, the things he said, uh, not in this uh, uh, yesterday's talk, but generally, he said that the ultimate truth about you is not I am this or I am that, but I am. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what that basically means, it's not an identity. When you say I am this or I am that, it means I am body, I am consciousness, I am male, I am female, I am many things that I am. Whenever there is something added to I am, that's an identity, okay? We are identified with it. Uh, so it's not, a, it's not I am this or that, it's I am, okay? Uh, I am without an identity, just, in other words, just me. What is the difference between enlightenment, I am, and everyday me? Well, everyday me is always I am something. I am body, I am consciousness. But the enlightenment is de-identified consciousness. Just I am. Or you can even say I am without I. Okay, I am without I. All right. Uh, this, this debate is I the uh, uh, enlightenment or is it not enlightenment? I as a thought is not enlightenment. It's just a thought. Okay. But when there is no thought, there is your being. If you ask yourself, who am I? Uh, you immediately uh, uh, feel I am, okay? But if you think I am, then that's a thought. If you let go of that thought, what remains is the being without thinking I am. Got it. You know, Thank you for that. It's it's difficult to explain that, but uh, it's yeah, an experience I mean, here. I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to describe dynamic nothingness, right? How, how do you... Yeah. <laughs> Any words is content. Like, how do you describe nothingness with content? It's, you, you know, it's well, a well, paradoxical. Yes, you cannot do that. Uh, as Lao Tzu said, you know, he said, I think that Tao you can talk about is not Tao. Okay, because mm -hmm. when you say something about it, it's a concept. Every word is a concept. Uh, and then you perceive that concept. And then you create that concept. And then you experience the concept. You don't experience experience the thing itself, okay? Yep. So yeah, it cannot be described, but uh, it can be experienced through through methodology, yeah. Yeah. I, I always thought that opening line was really funny. He says, Dao ke, Dao fei chang Dao. That's the Chinese version. You know, the mm -hmm, Dao that mm -hmm. can be said is not the Dao. And then he said yeah. that and he proceeded to describe. <laughs> exactly. You know, wrote a whole again, book about it. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah. Well, Eckhart said, 
you know, like Lao Tzu said, the Tao you can talk about is not Tao, but now once we said that, we can talk about it. So you know, so you know that these are just words pointing to there. So mm -hmm. once you know that, you have some pointers, but you, you don't take it literally. Mm -hmm. Got it. I appreciate that. Now, you had mentioned you were practicing the you know, enlightenment intensive so intensely for 14 days, and you knock on the, the what do you call it, gateway? The, the, well, the that's how thing. I call it, the, 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 the gateway. I don't know. I, I already forgot. Yeah. But it's yeah. basically a it's, it's a mechanism that is there to uh, only allow reactivity as much as you can handle. You know, yeah. we, it, it, it's it's a, a self it's it's a defense mechanism. One of the probably mm -hmm. many that we have. You know, we know you know when children have tantrums. You know, like mm -hmm. a toddlers they have tantrums, and that's because that mechanism is still not working properly. Okay, and then you start socializing them and then they learn. And basically, an average human being has an internal guard against this reactivity. We continuously live having this guard against our reactivity. So when a reaction comes up, to actually suppress it, not to feel mm -hmm. it fully. So yeah, now, the gateway keeper. Yeah, the gateway that's keeper. Right. I think that's, that's the, right. Yeah. So... <clears throat> You know, one of the things that we do talk about psychedelics on this podcast, I know you had told me in our earlier podcast, you haven't had that experience, but I only want to allude into it to this specific point. Uh, these classic psychedelics, uh, what they do, um, I guess, biochemically, psychologically, I guess you can call it that, is they turn down the default network, the guard, mm -hmm. right? That's guarding the, the control so then we can experience new things. So it sounds like it's very similar the way that you describe it is what I was wanting to point to. Often I listen to the description of people who use uh, psychedelics and sometimes when they describe what they experience, it does sound like what we call enlightenment. It does sound, I cannot be 100% sure because I, I did not experience it. Uh, but yeah, it's okay. Uh, but... There are easier ways to, to experience it, more certain ways to experience it. And another thing regarding our methods is this. It's not just important to experience enlightenment. It's also important what you release on your way to enlightenment. Okay, what you removed, uh, uh, how much you reduced the total sum of, of the weight that you carry, of the ego that you carry. So that's another aspect of these methods that we do. And yes, regarding psychedelics, I don't have an, any experience. Uh, uh, I, I've been listening, made, made, listening a few books, uh, watching a few documentaries. Some people didn't say that, but some people do ex ex express it as a spiritual experience. And it does seem very often that it is uh, uh, a spiritual experience. Yeah. But did it release anything? Can you repeat yeah. it? You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. with these methods, you can repeat it 10 times a I day do. if you want. I, I, and I know exactly what you mean. So um, yeah. I actually do have a nuanced question I want to ask you because you actually alluded to it just now. So uh, assuming, uh, just a visual metaphor, right? You're climbing this mountain towards 
mm. enlightenment, quote unquote, and the summit, right? <clears throat> in many ways, the the daily practices of whether spiritual technology or yoga or whatever method that you choose, you're you know, left foot, right foot, right foot, right foot, you're climbing this mountain, right? <clears throat> yes. In some ways, I, I think the metaphor that I use is <clears throat> psychedelics essentially pick you up, helicopter, you know, drop you off and then pick you back up again, <laughs> put you back down. So, so in, in some ways for me, my personal experiences, it was very useful for me to see like, oh, that's what he feels like to be quote unquote enlightened or connected to my true self. But also at the same time, my, you know, I thought it was a silver bullet. I can just stay there, but it doesn't happen that way. Right. You, know, you come back down really quickly and then, but it's useful as we mentioned earlier to stack them together. I do my regular practice <clears throat> at the same time. If I'm stuck somewhere, then psychedelics, ayahuasca, whatever the thing may be, can help me break through those barriers that didn't have access to otherwise. That's my opinion yeah, today. Yeah. I'm curious to know your thoughts about that. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I can say this. Uh, you can also break through those barriers with our methods. And I mm -hmm. know that from experience because every now and then I hit something very big. I had in last 30 and something years, I had that a number of times. And you hit something, some uh, uh, entity, I don't know how you call it, because you do these methods and they are usually relatively fluent and easy to do. And then some uh, uh, bundle, uh, ugly bundle comes up, which is hard to deal with. And you just keep knocking that ball using the methods. And uh, after a while, it comes down. I remember like, it doesn't happen often anymore. Now I can I can bring it down in one process, even that's, that may be a longer process, not 20 minutes, maybe one hour. But before, like 10, 15 years ago, it would take me like two or three days to, to, mm -hmm. to bring down something like that. I would do a process, I couldn't finish the process. I would go around doing my, uh, you know, everyday life activities, keeping this thing uh, in the back of my mind. And mm -hmm. then going back later, doing process. Again, stand up, do something else, keep it in the back. And two or three days later, I hit something and it disappears. Mm. Okay. So, uh, yep, these uh, big issues, big roadblocks, they come up. Okay. Uh, but it, you, can, uh, you can break them down with these methods as well. Or if you use this approach that you uh, mentioned, look, I don't have anything against it, really. I never even mm. tried it. How can I? How can I? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in my opinion... You you uh, you know what works the best for you and use that. How do you know yep. that? From experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Use it. Combine it. You know, I, I run seminars and people ask me, uh, should I use this? Should I use that? They are even sometimes afraid that I will be jealous, that I will be angry if they use other methods. No. Okay. Use everything that works for you. I, my whole life, I was a student of Jivara, but he never had anything against me trying everything else and i tried everything else okay so yeah we don't have any dogma religion jealousy uh try everything use everything and if that if you're if you have found an approach that works use it yeah so so here's someone who says who who actually loves therapy and this is a, one opinion and i think it's 
similar, but I just want to double check with you. So his opinion is therapy. Yes, it creates a lot of content, but it helps me basically try out different nooks and crannies of his mind and mm. versus so and then he liked that because he can now mm. look at for all the different nooks and crannies of his mind versus let's say you know aspectics i took him through a aspectics process he liked it a lot um he also had had you know he wrote dose of let's say a psilocybin experience so for mm. him for him for him the work is going through the process as difficult as the nooks and crannies may be he didn't really want to use psilocybin as a regular practice. He said he will only use psilocybin if he all these other methods stop working and he's really stuck. Yeah. That that's his yeah. opinion. So I'm curious to know if you if that's essentially what you said, or is there some nuance that you wanted to say about his well, opinion? Well, look, uh, I think he's right. You know, I, I don't uh, I don't much, I don't know much about psilocybin. Uh, I think I listened Jordan Peterson speaking how even one time using psilocybin can uh, uh, alter your brain permanently. I don't know whether that's true, okay? But I am always for processes, okay? Uh, if I didn't have any need uh, to use any of these, uh, uh, well, I shouldn't, you know, compare myself to other people. People are different. Uh, but yeah, using that would be probably last the last resort. You know, if if he's using therapy to explore his mind, and at the same time, aspectics, that's great. But let's just point out, aspectics also explores your mind. If you understand what I mean. So yeah, yeah, these two approaches combined, they're good. Uh, uh, and yeah, I wouldn't uh, uh, see particularly any great need for using. Mushrooms or where psilocybin comes from, yeah. Now, uh, a couple more questions, if you don't mind. You had yeah. mentioned um, that you experienced, uh, you were basically, the, the control is down, so you were more reactive. Would you consider that dark night of the soul? Or that's very different? That's not dark night of the soul? No, not really. Uh, this is a, a very specific thing, you know. You will have difficulties to find the person unless they are mentally ill who destroyed that self self uh, defense mechanism mm -hmm. okay why you have to do something very specific to to, to destroy it and we did it you know 14 days of agnostic uh, intensive that's something very specific so no it's not the dark night of the soul people understand that in a different way in, uh, in my uh, uh, experience uh, i had something like that before i uh, uh, embark to my spiritual path. It's basically when the world the, uh, uh, in, in which I lived in, when my uh, perception of the world reaches e e its uh, end. Okay, that means this is what I think the world is and it doesn't work anymore. And you don't know what to do. Okay. Mm. Uh, and basically that's when I uh, uh, that's uh, when I switch to one completely materialistic point of view, which I had before I stepped on, on my spiritual path. Uh, you know, I explored every part of that world and I didn't, I found it very depressing. Okay. And then I stepped on, stepped out of it and entered mm -hmm. a different paradigm, 
a spiritual paradigm, which is still a paradigm. Okay, it's like a working hypothesis before you actually achieve some result. But yeah, what happened to me at the end of the intensive, it's something that you will not encounter very often because people usually don't work to destroy that uh, uh, self-defense mechanism. Maybe it's broken with people who have mental issues, okay? But in healthy people, that, that works pretty good. Do you feel that... It... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, do you feel like with spiritual technology... Okay, so the reason I mentioned that, because uh, with psychedelics, you hear people talk about dark matter of the soul a lot. Right, it's a okay. complete dissolution okay. of their reality, and then it's very daunting for a lot of them. So I'm curious, yes. with spiritual technology, do you encounter that as well, or no? It's a very safe step by step process. You actually don't have the quote unquote downside of experiencing okay. a complete dissolution of reality. First of all, what you just said, dissolution of my reality, is exactly what the word I was looking for when I was describing how I perceived the dark night of the soul which is the dissolution of my materialistic view of the world. Mm. Now, let's go back to your question. Does that happen in uh, spiritual technology? Mm. We treat that as just another problem. Mm. It doesn't okay. really matter whether it's, whether it's fear of heights or, or everything is pointless okay? mm. or, or nihilism. It doesn't really matter. Mm. It's, that's the beauty of, uh, of this approach. Any negative reaction is just a negative reaction. It's just a problem. It's just a construct of uh, thoughts, emotions, identities. So if the dark night of the soul comes up with this methodology, yeah, you can uh, dissolve it like dissolving any other problem. Yeah. Mm. Okay, look, that was it, easy. It will, it will come up. Yeah, it will come up. These mm. feelings of everything being pointless and nihilistic. Yeah, it comes up. Yeah, it came up to me later two or three times. But you treat it as a problem. You don't you don't confuse it for reality. Okay, you mm -hmm. treat, it's not reality. It is my content. Treat it as a problem. Work on it with these methods. That's that's uh, that's the approach. Yeah. Now you invented Integral Protocol. Is that right? Yeah. And yeah. then Integral Protocol and Satori and Protocol. And the yeah. Satori Protocol. Okay, great. So now that you have all these tools, obviously, you know, you're the inventor of Integra and Satori. Can you tell us a little bit about the difference? Again, sets of tools, not one for everything. Mm -hmm. It's just different situations. Yeah. So when to use what? Well, uh, which one do you want to hear first? Which one do you want to hear about? Whatever first? you want to. I mean, I want to hear in mall, spiritual technology, okay. uh, Integra, yeah. Satori protocol. So what's okay. in your mind is it? Yeah, similarity and differences and when to use them so forth. All right. So look, in spiritual technology, we have a few groups of groups of methods. One group, the biggest group is the one uh, developed to release emotional problems. Okay, that's like Peter, Spectics, Integra. Then you have intensives. Okay, uh, group intensive, Gnostic group intensive and uh, uh, individual group intensive that's made for you to experience enlightenment. So it doesn't resolve problems but it brings you to enlightenment. Mm. And then uh, you have the third one, which is called Memento, to uh, made, but to recall and release memories of past lives. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have these three. Uh, those are Jivarad's methods. And then uh, the biggest group, the one made to release problems like Aspectics and Pete, 
uh, they're good. They're great methods. Uh, but will they be suitable for every person? So I was doing, I was doing PEAT for uh, uh, years, and it has a certain approach. I call it a free flow approach. Feel X and inhale, exhale, and tell me what comes up. Okay, non-specific questions. It was suitable for some people. It wasn't suitable for some other people. Uh, that's why we need more methods uh, of uh, more methods that deal with problems. Not because one of them is non-efficient, but because people are different. Because people are different. You cannot be a tradesman with just one tool. Okay, with just one screwdriver. You need at least different sizes. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> And then the other thing is, uh, what they address within the human being. All of these methods, uh, uh, they target, uh, they try to disassemble a problem by targeting certain elements. Okay. For example, Pete integrates polarities. Mm -hmm. uh, identities are extremely important. So in, in, in one period of my life, I realized that I feel I have this need for more efficient work with identities. So I, I started experimenting how to do that better. Okay. There was a method uh, that we used before. It was called Integral Excalibur by Shivora, but it was created in the beginning of the 90s. And uh, in, in, in the meantime, uh, more room cre uh, was created for more efficient work with identities. So to be able to more efficiently work with identities, I developed uh, uh, Integra protocol. And uh, it, it, uh, with, with Integral Excalibur, you were able to integrate one stack identity into one process. But with Integra protocol, you were able to integrate quite a few, okay? Like uh, a, group, a group of identities in one process. So, uh, and then I developed uh, the standard method uh, for Integra and then the basic methods. Now here, three methods, okay, which is basic method, standard method, and advanced method for different cl uh, uh, class of uh, clients. Advanced is for the one who do the easiest class. Uh, then there is the average one, that's the standard. And then those people who have difficulties doing these methods, we use the basic method for them. So basically everybody is covered. What do you get by Integra protocol? If it's a general purpose method, the same like Pete and Aspectics, what do you get by it? Well, you get uh, a different approach. So Pete is more uh, uh, free flow, open questions, non-specific questions. Uh, Integra is more uh, specific questions, like what is your need or intention? Uh, what is your belief or conclusion? So these are specific, they are guiding uh, your attention narrowly to recognize certain parts of the unconscious uh, content. So for some people, free flow is uh, better. For some people, specific questions are better. Uh, and when, when I added this uh, uh, integral protocol to my practice, uh, I was actually much more relaxed because I knew, okay, if the free flow doesn't work, specific questions will work, okay? So the difference is not what they do, they both release problems, but how they do it. Okay. Mm. And also, Pete is focused into integ integrating polarities, while uh, Integra is focused into integrating conflicted identities. So mm. they target a little bit different uh, 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 elements.
but all with the same purpose, to release problems, okay? But approach is different. This is free flow. This is uh, uh, specific questions. So that's Integra. Uh, but my latest method, which I find to be uh, special for me, is a Tori protocol, okay? Mm -hmm. And briefly, I can briefly tell you the difference between Satori and other methods. So uh, before, in order to experience enlightenment, you had to do either agnostic intensive, group or individual. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and uh, you couldn't do it on your own. Okay. So you would go into a group and participate in a group intensive, or you would work with someone who is experienced to, to guide you. Okay. But mm -hmm. you couldn't do it on your own. You couldn't bring yourself into the state of enlightenment. With Satori protocol, you can do ex exactly that. You can finish a seminar, and even without any previous experience, you can bring yourself into the state of enlightenment, temporary state of enlightenment, every day, multiple times per day, if that's what you want. Okay, so that's the first thing about Satori. Okay, you don't need a group. You don't even need another person. You can do it on your own after you complete the seminar. You can actually apply it on yourself. And it doesn't matter if you don't have a day of experience before the seminar or you haven't read one book before the seminar on spirituality, you can still do it. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is this. The second difference about Satori and other methods is this. Before we had these two approaches, you wanted enlightenment, you use uh, uh, Gnostic Intensive, or you wanted uh, a release of uh, problems, you would use Peter Spectix Integra. So those those two approaches were separated, but now Wait, last sentence la, last sentence one uh, more time. Those two approaches were separated. Okay, you either use uh, uh, methods for enlightenment, but you don't release problems, or you use methods for problems, but you get don't get enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And now with with Satori with methods three and four, uh, they are integrated into one one approach. Mm. So basically, you start from a problem, you release the problem, but you end the process in the state of what we call enlightenment. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's 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 a, for me that's a big thing. It integrates uh, about enlightenment and release, and both uh, spiritual and therapeutical. It integrates both everyday life and spirituality, because if you start from a problem, if you start from a problem, uh, my neighbor is making me angry because he makes noise. That's very down-to-earth problem. You release mm -hmm. that problem and you end up in the state of spiritual enlightenment. So that mm -hmm. is integrating both uh, uh, completely. Yeah. So I'm not very familiar with Tori, but I'm very familiar with uh, aspectics. So is, is spiritual enlightenment similar to Pleroma state or are they distinct? No, not really. So okay. uh, Pleroma states, states of emptiness and Pleroma states, they are the last step before mm -hmm. before uh, enlightenment so all these other methods like pete integra aspectics they would bring you into the state of emptiness mm -hmm. the last state before enlightenment enlightenment is just me enlightenment is i am if you are into the state of pleroma that's content that's content Okay, mm -hmm. uh, and there is, but there, there is just one one more step to go in the state of I am, okay, de-identified consciousness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, good to know. 
So, so in terms of nuance, understanding of it, because uh, again, I'm a practical guy, right? Engineering training. So mm. I get that uh, I want to alleviate myself from, you know, subjective problems. Great. <clears throat> but I also, one of the reasons I like aspectics is this mm. is a nu nuanced understanding. As we mm. transcend our levels of thinking, um, you have new ideas, like the content of which mm. you fulfill the goal potentially mm -hmm. are new ideas to solve the objective mm -hmm. problems, right? So I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, a good way to brainstorm ideas that way. Yep. I'm curious with uh, Integra or, or Satori Protocol, yeah. does it also help you with um, you yes. know, solving your yes. obje uh, objective problems too? Yes, of course. You know, you know why you have new ideas? Because you mm. prevented charge, which was, you uh, released charge, which was blocking them. Mm. Okay. You were basically unconsciously rejecting those ideas based on mm. some attitudes, mental stances, beliefs, which are unconscious, which are charged. Okay. Mm. So you can use any of these methods uh, for that purpose. Let's say my goal is to write a book. Okay. Or let's, mm. let's, find another to, to start to start an IT company. Okay, let's mm -hmm. let's say that's my goal. And then I'm thinking about my options. Many of these options, as they appear, I will dismiss or mm -hmm. I will don't see at all because I have charge preventing me to do that. Okay. If I remove that charge, and it doesn't matter which which method you can do it with aspectics, integra, pit, uh, any of those then I will be able to uh, uh, perceive those ideas. And then I will think, oh, now I get ideas. Well, I would get them before they were just prevented with mental clutter and emotional mm -hmm. clutter. So you can do that with any of these methods. I see. Got it. Okay. Uh, one last question. And this uh, second to the last question, if you don't mind. You, during our pre-interview, you had said, um, hey, all of these technologies are really effective in removing subjective problems. However, a lot of people still wouldn't take action, right? The goal achievement mm. aspect of it. And I thought about it some more. I said, wait a minute, right? If this is so good at removing the charges, people should be able to take action without any problem at all. So can you help me reconcile? Well, it's two? not that simple. Yeah, it's not that simple. Okay, okay let me give you this example. First of all, mm -hmm. we live in a world which is complicated. It's full mm -hmm. of triggers, full of triggers, okay? And I am married and I have children and I have work and I have this and that. And I arrive to you as a therapist and I say, okay, I, I want to write a book and I want to work on that goal. So you tell me, okay, close your eyes. How do you think about writing a book? And I say, I feel resistance and we remove my negative reactions about writing the book. Mm. And then... I feel, oh, no negative reactions. I can just sit down and write, okay? Mm. And then I go home. And then my wife calls and she says, oh, look, this happened, that happened. Can you please? A reaction is triggered. Then something mm. else happened. A reaction is triggered. Then something... What happens is this. Even though I don't have uh, negative reactions and resistance to writing, I am continuously being triggered, feeling a sense of urgency to resolve this. And to resolve that, and I keep delaying, even though I don't have any any uh, direct charge regarding writing. Okay, 
So that's one scenario why that happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you do a process, it's not like you become possessed and all, all of a sudden something, <laughs> and I start writing a book. I still have mm-hmm. to consciously sit down, do it. So mm-hmm. that's, that's why I introduced something which is called integral protocol module, which has some uh, uh, basic uh, uh, life coaching things like determining mm-hmm. actions, how to determine action, how to choose action. Very importantly, how to set the deadline for the action. So if mm-hmm. the action is small, if it doesn't uh, 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 activate charge, and if I have a deadline, no matter how busy my life is, because it's easy, and because I know a deadline, I will find a way to do it. Okay, mm-hmm. that's how I work around this problem. Okay, by uh, defining small first step and defining a deadline. And because the, the, in the madness of everyday life, because the first step is small, it doesn't activate charge. And at the same time, I know the deadline, let's say tomorrow until seven, I have that in mind and I'll find a way to do it. Okay, so that's one, that's one scenario. How come we don't have charge on certain topic, but we still don't do anything about it? Because we mm-hmm. are being triggered by many other things, uh, Maybe we don't have the sense of priorities very well clarified for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's how it works. If I didn't have anything else to do, but writing, I would probably do that. Yeah. Got it. Vladimir, any last words you want to hear, you want to say to people uh, before I give you my acknowledgement, anything, if they can remember one thing, what do you want them to take away from? Well, look, uh, Honestly, I would advise people to learn and do some of these methods. That's what I do. <laughs> okay. So, yes, uh, uh, other than that, you know, spiritual technology is not something that teaches you what to think, how to behave. I don't have any messages. I cannot advise you anything. I, don't, I think that's even counterproductive. But, yeah, have a look around, do a little research, and maybe you'll learn some of these methods. Try it on yourself, yeah, and change your life. What uh, what uh, website should they go if they want to learn more about you and the work that you do? Okay, so uh, my website is uh, name surname dot com, which is quite complicated uh, for people to to navigate to. Uh, I don't have much content there, but there are books. Okay, there are books, and yeah, doing a little bit of research on Google as well uh, and YouTube may help. Vladimir, I really, really appreciate you being here on Noble Warrior. We cover a lot of ground in the time that we have. We talked about the difference between spirituality and therapy and new age. We talked about, um, you know, the different meditation techniques versus the very specific guided meditation technique that we use and uh, the possibility of integrating and stacking them together. We talked about... um, well, the different phases of your personal mm. journey, right? And we talked about uh, what else? Did we talked about we talked about we talked we about talked a lot. About, <laughs> we talked about many things. Yeah, yeah. I'm even surprised how much we actually managed to squeeze in two hours. Yeah. Yes. Um, I really personally just really acknowledge you for your sincerity and earnestness, earnestness and the dedication you have to this work. Not only as a personal practitioner, you actually do the work yourself 
30,000 aspects, right? 30 years, three books. It's obvious to anyone watching that this is something that you deeply believe in. This is your mission. This is, you know, your gift to the world. But I really appreciate also just how you show up, you know, as a teacher, as a guest. And, and, and when we were able to navigate this very, I shall say, esoteric, right? This hard to understand things with as much a concreteness as we can. So I really, really thank you for your generosity uh, for being here, sharing your wisdom. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Thank you.